Welcome to a Prevent Connect podcast, where we explore the prevention of violence against women. This is a project of the California Coalition Against Sexual Assault. Hello, this is Ashley Meyer with Prevent Connect, and today I'm thrilled to have Rosemary Ochoa with us. Hi, Rose. Hi, how's it going? It's great. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about sexual health promotion and communications. Rosemary, who I will also call Rose, is a communications and outreach digital strategy professional. She's done work in all of those different realms at places like Planned Parenthood, California Department of Public Health, and AIDS.gov, and is currently a social media manager based in Washington, D.C., so, Rose, thinking about our audience and, you know, being able to hear from someone who has just so much experience and knowledge about communications like you, what are some of the lessons that you've learned from doing this work? Well, thank you so much for asking, Ashley. I have done a few guest lectures for undergrads about communications and the sort of the power of it. And I always do things I wish I learned earlier. Like, I have a top five list that I think that everyone should just always, always, always remember when you are doing communications, particularly communications about this type of work. So I will sort of run through them and talk about them a little bit. And they all are also tweetable if you want to tweet at me. My handle is at Rosemary Ochoa. That's R-O-S-E-M-A-R-I-O-C-H-O-A. And I love to engage with people on Twitter. So the first one is if a tree falls in the forest. So this one always reminds me of whatever you're doing. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is around to hear it, it doesn't make an impact, doesn't make a sound. So it doesn't matter if you write the most amazing report of all time and you don't tell anyone about it. If you have the most amazing resource center that your target audience would benefit from and no one knows where it is, it doesn't matter. So every single thing that you're doing you need to have a communications plan for, and you need to be outreaching in the way that works best for you to outreach. I think that, you know, I mentioned citizen journalism a bit before, and I think that it is a really, really exciting time for us where everyone has the capacity in many ways to, for example, submit a picture to CNN or do their own blogging or microblogging and document life online in a way that we really haven't seen. And I think that this also can really, really move our case forward. So the thing that I always think about is Sandra Fluke, that she basically was set to speak before Congress about reproductive health, and it ended up that she got pulled. Daryl Issa decided that she wasn't qualified, but instead he had a whole bunch of white, older males qualified. And someone took a picture of this and tweeted it out. And it got picked up by a few larger health organizations, and it became the main picture on places like CNN, and I think the Huffington Post had it. And it really was like this one person's picture that really was a thousand words, right? So he decided to say that she wasn't qualified, and she decided to put everyone in her forest. So when that tree fell, everyone heard the sound. And I think that not only, you know, now she's running for office, so it's, it's given her a platform, but it's also given us the ability to, like, empower people to share their stories and to share when injustice is happening to make sure everyone's voice is heard. So if a tree falls in the forest. My second lesson is walk the walk. So I think people in communications in particular, there's a big disconnect between what we're trying to do and what our audience is doing. And that's why I cherish so much my grassroots experience because it really is about, you know, you and your staff should reflect your audience. 
if you're trying to reach new people, bring those people on board to help you accomplish your mission and to help you communicate with them in the best way that you can. And there really is sort of no substitutes for passion. If you want to bring on some really, really savvy communicators who have great relationships, say, with larger publications and can get you into conversations that you want to be in, make sure that they have some time in the trenches because those experiences are going to translate in everything that you do. And I think that the experiences on the front lines should be the context for how we move forward with communications and with everything else. And also, I think my third lesson is that counting is important. And as someone who absolutely adores the humanities and maybe has turned away from math and science a little a little bit. Understanding that metrics, understanding that reach, understanding that figuring out you know how and what you need to look at is really going to be fundamental in securing your program's funding in the future. Talked a lot about evaluation earlier, understanding how you're evaluating and not being afraid to say some things with some campaigns, you know, communications campaigns, social media campaigns, we want to share knowledge, right? We want to make sure that people understand that there is a clinic on this crossroad. We want to share that people understand that if you do this and this, there's a risk involved. We want to make sure that people understand. So you have these key pieces of knowledge, and that's really, really important. Disseminate that the best you can. You also may want to do a campaign around comfort. So campaign around comfort could be about building self-efficacy to talk to partners, to talk to other trusted people, to bring parents into conversations with young people about their sexuality, because we know that that definitely sets them up for tougher conversations in the future if those ever have to happen. One study that always really stands out to me is that the majority of teachers in the California public education system are not comfortable with the sex education curriculum. So even if we have this like amazing curriculum and it's mandated in the state of California, if people aren't comfortable talking about it, it's not going to be delivered effectively to the young people who are at such disproportionate risk regarding their sexual health. So I think that there's definitely a way for communications to work as a normalizing factor around sexuality, as a place where role modeling can take place, you know, as a place where engagement can take place, specifically thinking about online engagement, social media. And then also building a campaign in order to build skills and describing skills that are important, like, for example, talking to people or how to put a condom on or how to get an HIV test. So all of those things are really, really valid. You just have to make sure that you're counting the right one. So it's not just about the retweets. It's not, you know, just about the impressions that an advertising campaign gets you, but it's really about counting what the objective is and how you're reaching that target audience and not being afraid to say, like, this one, it's not going to completely change the world, it's going to do this smaller piece that we think is a really key component in bringing us a step closer to change the world. So that was number three. Number four is really, really important in my world of communications and that not every problem is a communications problem. And so when I was working in San Diego, the school board there was really hesitant to change a key policy regarding young people's sexual health. And it went up for a vote. The reproductive health community in San Diego, you know, rallied all of our forces to get up and go and talk about this issue. And it was important and we needed to rise up. And the school board all got nervous and they decided to postpone the vote. The reason they postponed the vote is because the opposition also came in sort of in full force and as a reaction to our voices. And they postponed the vote for a few years. Once those few years passed, they called the vote again and there was no communications done. 
because people had already built relationships with the school board members and people had already really made sure that the vote was going to go in a way that would protect young people's reproductive health. And when that happened, we went to the school board meeting. Not a lot of people were there. It passed effortlessly, and they moved on to the next topic. And so I think that there needs to be a time and a place when you rally the troops and you use every communication method out there to do that. But there also needs to be moments where you realize that things are not necessarily a communications problem, and instead they're a problem with government relations and how you're relating to elected officials. They're a problem with, you know, a programmatic issue. And so how and why you decide to use publications as one of your tactics, your overall strategy, needs to really be thought through. And that's where hopefully your logic model and your evaluation and your counting your numbers and your great staff and, you know, your capacity metrics are all going to already be in play. And then the last piece of advice that I just feel like is important to everyone all the time, no matter what field you work in, is to be authentic. So when you're speaking on behalf of an organization, you need to make sure that you are authentic to who that organization is and what that organization is about. And I think that when you go to work every day, you also need to be authentic with who you are and what you're about and what you're contributing to the movement because we are operating in a space right now where where we really can't settle for anything less than that. And a great example, I think, in terms of communications is Coleman, which is when they defunded Planned Parenthood, there was a huge backlash. And a lot of that backlash happened on social media. A lot of it happened in traditional media. And they were not prepared to be open and honest and authentic with the choices that they made. And I think that in many ways that will damage their reputation, it will damage their brand, it will damage their funding, it will damage their supporters for years and years and years to come. And so, you know, whether or not the decisions they made were in line with my views, I definitely use that as a case study to say there are times when every organization has tough decisions to make and you need to be reactive and agile and open and honest with your audience and just like you expect that in return. And so my like last piece of advice is, you know, be open, be honest, be authentic, be amazing, change the world and use communications to do it. Oh, well, I love that. That's a great way to kind of sum up your advice. You know, Rose, I'm struck by the fact that there's so much focus on intentionality. That's something when we talk about sexual and domestic violence prevention, you know, we scare people by talking about logic models and communications plans. But really what we're talking about is just like you said, being honest with ourselves, having a point A to point B plan, and just really having intent behind what we're doing. So any kind of advice or guidance that you would say to the Prevent Connect audience that they're listening and You know, those words are scary for them, logic model, communications plan. Yeah, so they're totally scary. But if you're not doing stuff that scares you a little bit, you probably wouldn't pick this field to begin with. I would say there's a lot. (laughs) Right? There's a lot of resources out there, and you really, really want to know who your audience is and where they're at. And so I always look, for example, at places like Pew Research Internet Project. They have a social media update that includes demographics of key social Mm -hmm. networking platforms from 2013. 
I use Which that all I know it's like a Bible for many of us. And I think that, you know, really being able to say, okay, here's what I want to do. I want to target young men. I want to target survivors. I want to target healthcare professionals. And here is how and why I'm going to target them. And I owe it to myself and I owe it to them and I owe it to the world to really think this through. And if that means that I need to scale back on some other stuff, I can scale back on some other stuff. And so I think that, like, really taking the time, surrounding yourself with really awesome, authentic, and smart people is probably never going to lead you down the wrong path. And really making sure that you stay connected to the issue that you're working on. Even if you get, like, the gold star standard of, like, being quoted in the New York Times and the Washington Post and being on Good Morning America. You want to make sure that that comes from an authentic place of the issue that you're sharing. Well, the piece about knowing your audience is so important. It's something that we at Prevent Connect talk about a lot. And, you know, even if you can't do research level analysis, you can still do this local level data, even informal data collection where you're saying, hey, in my community, I'm working with you know, this particular subset of young people, and I'm going to talk to them about how they use social media, right? Because if they don't use Pinterest and that's my entire prevention campaign is based on Pinterest, then what's the point? Yeah, I also think that when you have a staff that reflects your target audience, the ability to figure out how and why certain communications efforts are going to make sense is going to happen a little bit more effortlessly. You still need to have the research, and that's where organizations like Pew comes in, that are extremely helpful that back you up. But you really should be doing a lot of this work intuitively because you already understand how and why your audience is behaving the way that it behaves. Thank you so much. I've been talking to Rosemary Shoa, a social media manager based in Washington, D.C., and as you've heard, with a lot of experience doing communications and outreach and digital strategy. So, Rosemary, for our audience, we've talked about a lot. Um, Can you summarize the main points of what we've talked about today? Sure. So I want everyone to walk away from this podcast thinking about their Uber car, thinking about where they are now, where they want to go, and how they're going to get there, and making sure that they know that there are tools and resources and examples to get them from that point A and point B. And that is going to be your, like, overall strategy to not only accomplish what your organization and you want to accomplish, but to really build in some strong communications. And then my... Lessons I wish I knew were the top five are, you know, if, if a tree falls in the forest, meaning no one cares about your report, you're the one that has is going to have to make the noise about this. You want to walk the walk. Counting is important. Not every problem is a communications problem. And the most important of all of all five is to be authentic, be open, be honest, and be amazing. So if anyone has questions about specific examples or organizations, I'm going to put some of the resources that I talked about. I'll send those over to you, Ashley, to put on the blog post. And then also my Twitter handle is at R-O-S-E-M-A-R-I-O-C-H-O-A. That's at Rosemary Ochoa. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. And I'm always really, really happy to engage and share um whatever I can to help everyone just get a little bit better. Well, great. Thank you again, Rose. And we look forward to sharing those resources in the blog post where we'll post this podcast. And I really do encourage the Prevent Connect audience. This is a great resource to have Rose willing to connect with you all. So I encourage you all to do so. Thank you, Rose. Yeah, thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this Prevent Connect podcast. Prevent Connect is a project of the California Coalition Against Sexual Assault with funding from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The views presented on Prevent Connect are not necessarily the views of the United States government, the CDC, or CalCASA. To learn more about Prevent Connect, visit www.preventconnect.org. For more information about CalCASA's mission or to show your support, visit calcasa.org. That's C-A-L-C-A-S-A dot O-R-G.